Visions and Tones, welcome to the latest edition. It's been a hot minute, I tell you. And today I am speaking to a growth strategist um, who helps professionals and businesses to have clarity to to focus on what really matters by decluttering the busyness that steals time. Uh, She's now actually not really a new person. She's a friend of the show. That's what some would call it. And that's me, Tarana Afo. It's good to have you back. Thank you, Tony. I am super excited to be back. And yes, I am a friend of the show. Yeah. I love your work. Just to, to give a little bit of a feedback, a couple of the great things I've heard from people. You've actually helped a lot in those who wrote back to me to sort of be able to identify... Um, imposter syndrome and doubts because yes. remember that was our initial conversation then. yes it was and a lot of people actually started to wonder a lot about because you spoke even about uh, transference of uh, skills yes which I had some few people saying, can you give me Tony's contacts? I'd love to hear something <laughs> about this. And, and and I don't know where they eventually showed up, but I can tell that your work is really amazing. And especially during this time where a lot of people can get too tired at their yes. workspaces and they want to change and try something new. Um, I don't know, how have you been doing in terms of like people coming for uh, skills uh, yeah. assessments and yeah? Yes, I've had a lot of people come through um, even since we last spoke. Yeah. And, you know, that conversation around imposter syndrome, because yeah. with imposter syndrome, you could use that as a crutch, not to even step out and just say, I've got imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And even that clarity, just the differentiation between um, self doubt and imposter syndrome. In working with people like, just working on their resumes or getting them ready to apply for work, most people underestimate what they can do and can't do. Recently, um, this week actually, a friend of mine, I sent them uh, a job and I knew they were very capable, but they came back with three points and said, oh, I can't do this because of one, two, three. (laughs) And I had to say, no, actually, one, you've done this, you've done that. So... That's something I bring to the table where I can look at the work you've done mm-hmm. and we can then transfer that, those transferable skills we we're talking about. So it's about framing. And once you can frame or reframe something you've done in a different environment, reframe it for another environment. Because most workplaces train you in the actual job. Right. Yes. And so the technical skills you learn on the job. Mm-hmm. The other things that you bring, the softer skills, that's harder to teach and that's where most of the transferable skills matter. Right. I don't know that maybe this question might be a little bit off, but maybe it's on. Today we'll be talking more about goals, but I was just wondering whether can things like imposter syndrome and doubts really affect, maybe doubt yes, but particularly imposter syndrome, can it affect one's way of setting out goals? Definitely. Definitely. And I would add a lack of confidence Uh in yourself. So the way what we think we're capable of, like we'll set goals to the extent of what we think we're capable of. So if I think I'll never achieve something, most likely I would never 
set a goal. Right, yeah. That will get me there. Mm. But that's where work, you know, you start to do work around um, self-reflection, work with professionals, um, just to get your confidence up. Yeah. Yeah. And today we will be talking about goals and probably goals across certain pitfalls, but really the main idea is setting out goals. Would you say there's any specific time as a professional now for people to set out goals and what kind of goals would you say they are best done in the beginning of the year and which ones could be best done mid-year or almost towards because we're now really going to move towards uh, yep. in the third quarter already? Yeah, so the way I do goal setting, it's a bit different. Um, I usually start by working with someone and asking them at the end of your life, what do you want to achieve? So what's that big, scary goal? What's that cathedral, if you're building, that you would want? And then we actually work backwards. So it's, what's that big goal? What do you want to achieve? And some, not everyone can think that far. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's at the end of life or it's at the end of the year. So I would ask you, Tony, for you to say the next 12 months have been amazing. What needs to have happened? And nothing holding you back if everything was perfect for you to say i had an amazing 12 months i had an amazing two years what needs to have happened and once someone articulates that and you can hear the passion when they're describing it i then work backwards with them and say okay if this is the ultimate thing that you need to achieve what are things we need to do maybe halfway of that time so if it's 12 24 months, what, what's something that's realistic that we think you can achieve in 12 months? And then you'd say what it is. And then we then bring it back to, okay, in the next three to six months, what's something that's actually possible right. that you can achieve? And then we define that. And then after defining that, it's like, okay, what do you need to do every day, every week, every month, so that you reach your three to six month goal? so that you can reach your 12-month goal, so that you can reach your 24-month goal. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter what time of year uh, you set your goals. Personally, I set my goals in spring, so I'm really excited because it's spring now. First okay. of September, yeah, I tend to. So by the time January comes, I already know what I want to do. Like I've already, so I use this last part of the year to think what I want, to work through what I want, to even start to visualize what that looks like. And then when January comes, I'm just now going through the motions towards my goals. So everyone gets caught up in New Year's um, resolutions. If If that's the time you want to set your goals, that's fine. Reviewing your goals, really important. And when we review our goals, it's to adjust as well. Sometimes we set a goal. So with everyone I work with, I say to them, goals are not set in stone. They're actually flexible. You could set a goal. Three months later, you're like, I don't want to do that. Stop. Leave it. Don't keep going towards a goal just because you set it. Stop and reassess and say, actually, I thought I wanted to do that. I don't want to do it anymore. And then find out what you want to do 
and then you start working towards whatever new direction that you're sensing. To to what extent shouldn't that be a habit? Because I'm thinking every now and then, if I am to keep stopping, I might get discouraged. Yeah. So so to what extent would you say one should sort of also at the same time avoid making this a habit, or how much would it be then a habit? Yep. So it comes back to what I said earlier. What do you want to achieve? Yeah. So the passions, the dreams we have. If you keep stopping and starting, maybe you're following a dream or a goal that's because everyone around you is doing it. Mm. So it goes back to defining what is it that you want to achieve? What do you totally want to achieve without consideration of the next person next to you? You might have support from people around you, but it has to be true to you. Because with anything we do, there comes a time when it's tough when you don't want to do it. So for me personally, I always define why I want to do a goal. Mm-hmm. So I have the what I want to do. And right after that, I say, why do I want to do it? And when I don't want to do it, I go back to my why. And my why is what makes me keep going. Right. I almost thought of whether, which one should come first? Is it the why or is it the what? But my, um, I'll keep them correcting myself <laughs> in my head. <laughs> so perhaps the, the, the what is more important. The uh, what, yeah. So it's usually, this is um, the what, mm-hmm. the why, how. Should, I always go how last. Okay. Sometimes who. So I'll usually go what I want to achieve, why I want to achieve it. Are they people I need to involve? So the who, the how for me is just the daily grind. So I don't, actually I've found when I've worked with people, sometimes people focus so much on the how. So you'll say to someone, oh, let's do this. And they're like, how can I do that? And they start to immediately look at their limitations and say, I can't do that because of one, two, three. Mm -hmm. The how is just the method of getting to the end goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you ever have a when? Obviously, the when yes. is big. Is a big yes, part yes, of, yes. Definitely. Yeah. Like in most goal setting, they have smart. Yeah. And you know, it's specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and it needs to have a, some time factor to it. Mm-hmm. The time definitely helps. Um, but also, the time can shift depending on whatever. So if you look at End of 2019, people had goals. 2020 came. Yeah. Most of us had to adjust the mm. goals just because of the situation that was happening. Time definitely, because it gives you a period of what you're doing. But I say to people, don't get stuck in the time, because sometimes you will not achieve your goal in the time frame. Sometimes you do it quicker. Sometimes you do it longer. I find it interesting that you said now spring, that's when you sort of start working on your goals. Because most of us around this time, we're already tired. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I want to go on holiday. I want to I break. How do you get that kind of energy? And the goals that you start, you, you're sort of speaking of, um, do you say to yourself, I want to achieve them by next spring or... Obviously, this would vary in terms of what goal it is. But I'm thinking because 
most of the time as part of the goals we make we sort of think about it by end of the year yeah. especially if it's short term or unless if it's short short term like six months type of yeah so in terms of your case do you normally think of by next spring or the minute you start now even though you can target yeah uh december next year but you know that by spring you would have achieved it how do you sort of work the dynamics around that yeah so i've got my at the moment i've got a three-year goal like a three-year big goal that i'm working towards mm-hmm. and so now so far like this year i've made progress up to a certain point so now i'm just amping up what i'm doing so that i can slowly get to my three-year goal um the three-year goal might happen in two, might happen in five, and I'm comfortable with that. What I've started um, focusing on is building the momentum. So, you know, we before the show, we're talking about James Clear. This is where I like what he says, you know, about the habits. So I'll give you an example. This year, I um, actually last year in November, so spring, I decided I wanted to put more time and effort in my fitness journey. And what I did in November last year, like I need to find a gym that I'll go to. And that was it. That was my goal for just that. Right. Start of the year, I then said, I just need to show up. So I spent three months just showing up. After the three months of showing up, I was like, okay, I need to get someone who can actually help me because I want to build strength. So then I've started to work on that. And recently... I was like, oh, the weather is good. Maybe I can start going for jogs or walks. Mm-hmm. So it is still the same goal of improving my fitness and my health. But what I've rather than starting and say, I want to run a 5K, if I had done that last year in November, I probably couldn't have done that. Right. Because I hadn't built the habits. I, haven't, I hadn't built the momentum. So in goal setting, focusing on where you are, and focusing on one thing towards your goal. I used to make this mistake all the time. I would implement five different things. Mm-hmm. And then after four weeks, I'm exhausted. I'm yeah. like, I'm done. Yeah. Because it was just too much, too many new things that I was trying that I hadn't even tested to see if they would work. Right. I like what you've said because already you're starting to speak about different points. I don't know if you've got point system, but mm. if we can speak about you know points that you, you have in terms of your teaching uh, or your coaching strategies. I know yep. that this, uh, is it seven pit, pitfalls that yep. you normally speak about? I'd love for us to maybe, if we can go through them so that we can sort of try to tackle a lot yep. of other uh, points that might come out from there. Because I heard when you were speaking now, I was like, ah, oh, I think I've seen something like this and the points that you sort of address. Yep. Is that good? Yes. When you're ready? Yep. So this is what, I, just some of the points I've found in the work that I've done that... People will come to me and say, goal setting doesn't work. And then once you start to dig through it, you'll find there's just certain things that people have done, things I've done as well through my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first ones is when we set goals that are not li- aligned with what we want. Mm-hmm. This is almost like that herd mentality of, um, you know, I need to achieve this by the time I'm 20, I'm 30, I'm 40. How many times have you heard the goal? People say, I thought I would have achieved this by 40 or I would have achieved this by 30. It's sometimes it's, you know, those expectations either coming from our families, coming from our friends, 
or just unrealistic expectations that we've set on ourselves where we've not actually sat down and asked, what is it that I want to achieve? So when our goals are not aligned with what we want, there's that lack of resonance with the actual end result that we're trying to achieve. I'm thinking here, especially the example that you used, when I turn 30, this is what I want to achieve, and so on and so forth. I know that that's more prevalent among young people quite a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be a policeman, and you discover that that was just some childhood you know, fantasy or whatever the case. Yeah. People do make such today, old oh, yeah. people. Yes. You say when I turn 60, probably they do. It's the reverse. It's okay. more at that age later in life, it's more regret of I can't believe I've not achieved this by 50, by oh. 60, by 70. And there's, um, there's a local author. He's called Scott Pape, mm-hmm. and he's got the Barefoot Investor. In his book, he shares stories on how people get to a certain age, then they realize they don't, they've not made the right financial decisions. Right. And they realize they don't have enough money in their retirement and they panic. And they say, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's, you know, I'm at this stage. So the older we are, it's more regret. And I think the younger we are, it's almost like, oh, I'm being left behind type thing. When you're looking at does it have fear or something? There's fear, right? Both both ends. There's fear in terms of you haven't achieved. Just the other one is fear and regret, Mm. right? Yep. And on the other side, it's could it be fear and fear of missing out, FOMO. Oh oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Fear of missing out and also peer pressure, Mm -hmm. and you know that, and societal expectations. There's unsaid expectations that, you know, uh, I know with women is like, oh, you should have had kids by this age or you should have been married by this, especially in our African culture. Yeah. You know, people start asking, like, what's wrong with you without asking what's wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I know it happens also in not just only women, but also in men to Mm. say by this age, you should be. Yep. You should be here. You should be there. Yep. So, yeah, so that's one of the <laughs> first pitfalls when our goals are not aligned with what we want. Uh, the second one is not having a structure to your goal where you just pick, I want to do this. So you have the end result and then you actually never think about how you're going to get to that end result. So earlier I gave the example of um, around this time last year, I decided I wanted to invest in my fitness and my health. Yeah. But then I put in structure in place. I knew where I was. I was like, the first thing, I just need to find somewhere to go that I'll like, I'll feel comfortable. And I did. That was, if I had not done that first thing, I wouldn't have made the progress that I've made. So whilst it's such a simple thing, Mm -hmm. it was the big thing that was the first domino that was going to start me on my journey. And then after I did that, I was like, okay, what's a girl I can set up? I was like, I just need to show up. So not about any measurements, not about any metrics. So getting into the habit of going, driving there, driving home. And for me, it's also fitting it into my schedule because I've got young kids. So it's like, okay, does this time work for when the kids, I have to pick up the kids from school? 
So I had to factor that into my current schedule. So that's the thing with goals as well. They have to fit in, in your current schedule. Right. So if your goal, whatever it is that you want to achieve, is not in your calendar, is not scheduled anywhere in your you don't intentionally, proactively put it in your calendar, chances are you will not achieve that goal. So it's, um, you know, it's the fitness one, you know, you show up. I can take one of even investing or saving money. You physically have to set aside time or you have an automatic direct debit that takes money from one account, puts it in another. Mm-hmm. But if we just do it when we remember, we don't build that consistency. We don't build that momentum. I like what you're saying in terms of the way you think about also your children, where do they fit in? Because I think earlier on, just before we started the conversation recording, mm. I had mentioned something about Dave Ramsey, yep. who said, make sure that your goals are sort of central. Is that is that probably what he was sort of suggesting? Because I think I might have maybe mistaken mm. what he was trying to say. But when you say that, it's, it kind of like echoes in my mind to say, if your goals should be central around yeah. every aspect of your life, as you say, also be cognizant of people who might also come and mm. create the little unprepared pitfalls, so to say. Maybe yeah. not a pitfall, but sort of create a little bit of a glitch in terms of the system you're trying to create yeah. for yourself. Definitely. So we spoke about, you know, define the what. You can start with the what or the why. Define yeah. the why. I would go into who is going to impact this goal. So for me, in that example I gave my kids, my kids' schedule. So I had to literally look at the calendar and say, okay, this is when the kids do this. So these are the spots in my calendar that I can schedule for fitness. So considering your immediate circle, definitely. Because most that's actually one of the reasons why goals don't come to pass. It's the people around you. Mm-hmm. It could be either the words that they say to you, or it could also be... I don't want to leave my pack and then so I'll just conform to what they're doing. Or it could be just lack of knowledge, like your circle cannot give you the support that you need. So that's where, you know, you find someone who can help you. Sometimes it's reading a book. Sometimes it's listening to a podcast. Mm. Sometimes it's paying for a service. Like I've worked with people that just book one session with me and all they want is clarity. They ask me to speak into their goals. They ask what I think, what I think they should do, mm. and I have one session, and that's all they need, just to get that clarity. While we're still on the point of thinking about people around you, mm. and I don't like to do this in a sense where I sort of ask you to weigh in other people's work because I mean mm. I, we don't know what strategies they're using. Yeah, but I'll be keen to sort of hear from your own uh, Taiwanese system and yep. ways of advising people and at the same time i know that you you you, you don't sort of intend to treat people as monolith mm. sometimes the case might look yeah in this color sometimes it might look different in another way but what would be the best advice then in terms of while you're thinking about who is around you and you find that some people are not sort of contributing towards the goals are you for the view that people can be left behind or it's a matter of restructuring what is communicated Mm. around people who do not 
yeah. contribute towards your goal? What's what's your system strategy? Uh, my strategy is share your goals with people that are going to build you up, and it shouldn't be a lot of people. It should be, I don't know. It's you know, uh, John Maxwell says the five people you spend the ti- you spend time with the most. Actually, he says if you want to know where your life is headed, look at the five people you spend the most mm-hmm. time with. And so, if you set a goal, and you look at your five or your three or your ten people, five is just a number, and you say, of those people, who will help me get to my goal? And the thing with also sharing goals with too many people, people will be like, oh, but you said you were going to do this. And you're like, yes, I've changed my mind. Like, there's also that people can guilt you back to stay into goals that you've moved past but is that the intent to guilt or sometimes it could be accountability oh yes Unless and accountability I, 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 as well. if you sort of oh, yeah. gave them you know yes the the right to sort of hold you accountable oh yes and accountability accountability yeah. one of the best things you can do for yourself mm. and when when you give someone access give someone permission to be your accountability partner there's a trust there and there's a vulnerability there. But if you allow, when you allow someone to be your, to be that accountable person for you, you need to take on what they're saying. So that's why it's important that you're sharing your goals with people that you know will get you there. Right. The next one is having too many goals. I've been so oh. guilty of this. Okay. Where I want to change the world all at once. <laughs> without having built anything to support what I'm saying. So when we set goals, right, we're trying to change something that we're doing now, either into a different direction or or we're trying to build something from scratch. Up to this point, we've got habits, we've got things we've been doing. And so for us to change, um, Dr. Caroline Leaf, uh, she's got a book, um, the brain, 21 Day Brain Detox. And in there, she goes through, if you want to change just one part of your thought pattern, she has a 21 day program you do, but then she says it actually takes six to three days for it to set, for you to start creating that habit. So if I have, I'm trying to implement five things I'm stretching my resources, whether it's time, whether it's money. So I will not fully give each of those five goals that I'm going after the best, you know, chance of them coming to pass. So I'm of the view of when we set goals that we're strongly pursuing, um, shouldn't be too much. I tend to set goals around areas of my life. So I've got family goals. I've got financial goals, I've got marriage goals, I've got career goals, and then I've got goals around my other relationships, my friends and that sort of thing. So whilst I could have five goals, some of them complement each other. So my family goals and my financial goals and my marriage goals and my career goals (laughs) could literally complement each other. But if I have five goals in the one area, they begin to compete. But even having five goals in all those different areas, 
there's always one or two that are going to be taking more priority. And some of the other goals are simpler goals that can be tagged on to something. So having too many goals can cause you not to achieve your goals, not because your goal is not right or it's wrong. It's just your resources, especially time and money, become right. stretched. Yeah. While we on that, on goals, I know that you work very close with academics. Yes. And I think this could be one of the space where for us academics is actually a big danger, right? Mm. Maybe the first question would be how many goals is too many goals, basically? Obviously, considering that that mm. might be different according to people, but the point that I was trying to make about academics is the fact that sometimes part of the mistakes we make, I might have a goal to publish X number of journal peer-reviewed mm. articles in a year, but then you find that I overcommit myself to too many projects that everybody just invites me in. Yes. And because I'm thinking more of that, but then at the same time, I might affect my other goal to sort of look after my health because, yeah. you know, my back is now locking. Yeah, I cannot yeah, get yeah. up anymore or I want to learn how to sort of uh, play golf just as a sport but when I'm there I'm busy thinking about cow marks and papers and so on <laughs> and so, so how many so how many goals is too many goals and and perhaps if you can speak just maybe a little bit in terms of the way you've observed yep, academics yep. and part of the mistakes that we often make yeah I actually ran a workshop for some academics around goal setting oh, nice and they were in shock they're like what 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 do you mean I have to do this and I kept so what I actually said to them was for you to become the leading authority in your, f in your field, what does that look like? What do you need to have achieved? They couldn't move past that. They're like, oh, maybe I'll do that. And they were just stuck. And what I was trying to get at is what is it that you need personally? And it's different for each person, you know? Yeah. Like for some people, they want to be great teachers, like uh, teaching academics. Some people want to be great Researchers. researchers yeah. Some people want to have their journal published in Nature. Like I hear that's such a big deal. You, yeah. you hear people say, oh, "I've got two, I've got two Arctic journals in Nature." For some people, it's I want to build a research center. It's actually about the engagement and the research. So it's defining what you want um, with goals. To answer your question, boundaries is really important. When we set goals, we also have to put boundaries in place. So with um, any profession, really, at the end of the year, I always ask my clients and people I work with, what's the one thing that if only you achieve this one thing, you'll say, yeah, that's it. And then you put your resources in that. So if it's publishing the journals, mm -hmm. um, make sure at least half a day a week, You've blocked it, and it's non-negotiable unless it's, you know, it's moving. Mm. So people that I work with, they know there are certain days in the week that I will not, like, I've literally blocked my calendar. People can send me appointments, but I choose whether I'll go to it or not. And once people you work with understand, okay, Tony's research day or whatever is Thursday afternoon is all day Thursday, so when you get those invitations to say, come and join us, you can always offer an alternate time. Say, I can't make it on that time, 
can we meet this time instead? And most people are quite flexible. Right. So the other pitfall is not having the right objective. So no why behind your goal. So when I don't want to, I'll just use, I'll use my fitness journey because that's something I've been doing. I don't want to go. I don't want to exercise. I come back to my, why am I doing this? Okay. And that is the single thing that will get me there. So when I don't want to do it, I have to remind myself, I'm doing this because. So I'm just doing this because I want to be healthy. I want to take care of my body. I want to set a good example for my children. So those are my whys, why I'm doing what I'm doing. With goals where I've not defined the why, I get out of them quickly. As soon as the first resistance comes, I'm like, nah, I don't need to do that. Does it ever happen that your brain can work against you even when you're trying to answer the why? Oh, yeah. Because I've seen that a lot with Jim. He'll be like, yeah, I want that summer body. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, but yes. But then every time you're like, yeah, well, look, I know. I know that I need that summer body, but I'm just tired. Oh, yeah. So when, the why, when answering the why question is confronted with that, is mm. there a best way around it? That's Apart from saying one should have resilience? You get support. All right. You get support. So I, uh, April this year, so going back to my fitness journey, yeah, you're yeah. going to join me it's in my good, exercises. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> so right. I started with finding the right gym. Then I wanted to show up. And then after that, I was like, okay, I'm ready for something more challenging. So I got a personal trainer in April. And I only meet with her 30 minutes a week. That's all I do. And what she does, she shows me what I'm capable of. So in terms of, say, um, like she'll get me to row 500 meters on a rower. I would never by myself go to a gym and row 500 meters. I know, right? And she'll give me a time. She'll say, I want you to row 500 meters in this much time. I'm like, can I do that? She's like, yeah. Sometimes I can't, but she pushes me. And so she's tracking how, so she's tracking my goals for me. She's, so all I do, why I went with the person, I was like, I don't want to think about it, but I want to be challenged because I don't know what my body is capable of. But because she's the expert, she knows that. And so like, she'll give me a weight and I'll look at it. I'm like, uh, and she's like, I want you to do shoulder press. I do shoulder press by myself with three kilos. That's as high as I will go. Right. And then she'll give me a five kilo. I'm like, I don't think I can do that in my mind. But I trust her judgment. Mm. I trust her as my support person. So when our minds, when we get that, you know, resistance from our minds, get someone who knows who can get you there. Right. That can support you together. I like that point because surprisingly enough, I don't know why, but I was thinking when you say support, I started thinking about friends. Yeah. In that sense. But I like, I like the other mm. angle that you bring in because sometimes some people know very well that if I'm spending money, extra oh, money on yes. this, I'm getting up for, for this thing. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, or so find someone to, so my husband, he's, he's fit. So he'll say, oh, just find someone who will run with you if, say, I wanted to start running. Mm -hmm. or So find someone who's doing what you want to do and then tag along. So when you do that with someone... 
should it also fall within the frames of how much time am I giving myself with this person until I feel like my mojo is back alone or should it be a continuous thing? So what kind of things should one be cognizant of around? Because I'm one person that sometimes there's certain things when I do them. Even though I know midway, I might get a little discouraged and whatsoever, Mm. but sometimes I feel like I'm better not sort of relying on other people who have got different kind of goals for themselves because I might want to go to the gym and we sort of gym buddies, but then today you don't want to do that. Yep. And then all of a sudden my schedule and my momentum gets affected by that. Yep, yeah. Uh, it can be two ways. You can do it just to get your mojo. Uh, and you can also do it as a long-term thing. And it doesn't have to be the same support person. So at the moment, I started, um, I downloaded an app called Couch to 5Ks. And so it's an app. Right. And this lady tells me, okay, let's run five minutes. And so I'm being coached by someone who's recorded this a mm. while ago. But I can see my progress on this app. I can see, um, and it will tell me, okay, tomorrow this is what you're going to do. So support comes in many ways. And that, so some people can do what I'm doing. Some people need just someone um, there with them. So I've got a friend who comes to the gym with me, but we actually, so I invited her, she comes and I think she's been training for like three months and we've only had three sessions together. But what we do is after her session, she'll call me and we'll debrief what she did. And then when I exercise, I call her and I debrief and we whinge like, Oh my gosh, it was so hard. But then I'll call her because I know the days that she goes. I'm like, oh, so how was it? And she's like, I didn't want to go, but I knew you would call me. So the support can come in different ways. Just that phone call. Mm -hmm. I know she'll call me and ask, oh, how was it? And I'll do that. And it's the same for other girls as well. I I love this because I'm actually learning. The more I'm having a conversation (laughs) with you, the more I'm learning a lot of other things that perhaps I never thought of them as, you know, big and important things, so to say. For instance, when you say sometimes it could be an app, I discover that I've got, um, um, there's a guy on, I don't want to call the name, I don't want to give people air, <laughs> so to say, but he's amazing on uh, YouTube mm. and he often, you know, give this 10 minutes kind of like workouts, yeah. uh, intense workouts, like focus yeah. on, you know, muscles and also building strength and yeah. also burning fat and you'd say, okay, do this once, do this twice, and then he keeps on counting, but he's also doing it with you. Yes. So I never thought of that really as actually this could be a form of support at the same time. It but is. I know very well that since I've heard you explaining, when you said you cannot really, if you didn't have your coach, you wouldn't get there and say, I'm going to roll for like 500 oh, no. minutes or whatever. Okay. So it's the same thing that I'm thinking <laughs> that if I was to do this 10 minutes intense workout alone, I definitely wouldn't survive if I didn't have even the guy who's talking on the YouTube video. Oh, yeah. So when I go to the gym, in it's just small group classes. I do get sore. When I go to my 30-minute personal training session, sometimes I'm sore until the following week uh-huh. because of, you know, I'm using, I'm exercising muscles that I don't normally exercise yeah. or and that sort of thing. And the thing about getting a support person, especially someone who's, being where you want to go they know the challenges they know the struggles you know i know we're talking about fitness but it's the same thing i do with um 
people I work with in my business. So when I moved, I wish I shared this a little bit last time. When I moved um, to Australia, I had an incident that just shot my confidence and it took me years to build it up. Yes, I remember now. But once I started to challenge those self-limiting beliefs I had, this is the two conclusions I've come to when it comes to like achieving anything. As long as you've got the confidence to start, so not even do, mm-hmm. confidence to start and you set an achievable goal in front of you, you will achieve it. Right. So it's just that confidence to start. And the more you do something, the more confident your confidence grows. The more you become comfortable, you start to actually think and dream about, oh, I'm looking forward to doing this mm. thing that I was dreading at the start. Mm. And so that confidence piece is really important. Right, right. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. Okay. Um, giving up, that's another goal. Pitfall, I've tried this before and it didn't work. Before you step out again, do a postmodem of whatever process or system, why didn't it work? Mm-hmm. So it could be one of the other goals that we've already uh, worked on. Mm-hmm. Either you, yeah, it's usually one of the other reasons. So because you've tried something before and it didn't work, don't give up. And sometimes it's just the timing of when you tried. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. Um, I was trying to save money. And so, and I just came up, I was like, I'll save $500 a month, right. a fortnight or yeah. something. And so I would transfer $500 from my everyday transaction account and transfer that to my savings. After one week, I would start to transfer money back from my savings account. <laughs> <laughs> back into my trans everyday transaction. <laughs> back into my everyday transaction. And I did that for maybe a year, Tony. A year. And I'm like, this is silly. What am I doing? So what I had not considered was my income. Was five hundred even achievable? You know? Mm-hmm. So that's this we did a post boredom. Yeah, so I yeah, did yeah. this. So I started to ask myself, what is actually an achievable savings goal? And you know what it was? $50. Mm-hmm. I went, I scaled it right back and started saving $50 a month. So my husband and I started doing this. $50 a month, we did that. And then after a while, we're like, actually, we can increase that to 100 And we slowly started to increase it and increase it increase mm. it. By then, we had taken account of our income. We would taken account of our expenses. Right. The first time, because I set the goal, we'll save $500. It was just a nice number. <laughs> but was it the right number for us? No. So if I had said we will never save again because I've tried it and it didn't yes, work. Yeah. It didn't work because it was unrealistic for where we were at. Right, right. Mm. And again, I'm thinking also about other things that could sort of discourage you to going forward, or particularly in that point. And we've touched a couple of other things already. Uh, so maybe as a question, when you were now transferring the money back from your savings to your everyday transaction, was it the same app or it was different apps? Or uh, does it does it even matter? It was the same, uh-huh. but then I'd feel guilty. Right. I felt guilty, which it actually did make me feel. I felt like a failure, to be right, honest. Right. It's like 
I can't even say $500, but it was an unrealistic goal that I'd set for myself. So that's the other thing. When we set goals that are just too high. Right. For So when we set goals, we have to think this is where I am. And you ask yourself, where do I want to go? And then you create a roadmap to get you there. Mm-hmm. But we just go, I'm here and I want to be there without considering, you know, retraining our thought, how we think. Um, do we have the right resources? Are mm-hmm. we in the right system? You know, this uh, we're talking about not every goal is achieved. Sometimes where you are and the environment you're in just would not allow you to achieve those goals. So that's, mm. you know, the systemic stuff, which is a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yep. Uh, the last one, the last pitfall is settling, accepting that this is how things should be. This is a big one, um, especially when, I guess, when the systemic stuff, you know, you're like, I've tried, the system is against me. And you just settle. Sometimes, yes, the system. Sometimes if you can move from the environment that you're in. This is where, you know, we're talking about the people around you. Mm. Um, And sometimes it's doing it a different way. You know, we set goals to say, um, I want to do this. But then the road you imagined you would walk to get there will be different. Sometimes you have to go the long way right. to get to your goal. Uh, yeah, so do not settle. Do not settle. With all the points that you've given us now, I wonder if you are to speak to us through habits mm. um, and also tracking of our success, yeah. how, would, how would it look like? How would you advise one to sort of focus on those? Yeah. So what I do personally, so I said I love spring. This is when I start to think about my goals for the next year. Mm-hmm. And I actually spent a bit of time just daydreaming. You know, what what would it look like if this happened or did that happened? And I start to write it down. So usually around now I might have 30 things that I might want to achieve and then I narrow it down slowly slowly that's why I give myself three months to really work it out and then narrow it down and then I put a number to it if it's a goal that needs a number so I put an actual result okay um but I'm not fixated on the result so my belief is goals are fluid they can adjust to whatever it is that you know that needs adjusting we can do that and then I bring it. I bring them into my schedule. So I put them in my calendar. If they're goals, then need to go into my calendar. But at the start of each month, I reflect on the month past. Mm-hmm. Of so, what I do actually, yeah, at the start, end of each month, start of the next month, mm-hmm. I go through my previous month and say, okay. What are the stuff that I needed? What are the, some of the goals that I needed to achieve? It doesn't need to be big. So at the moment, uh, my goal for September is to declutter paper in our house. There's just so much paper. When you've got kids, paper just keeps coming in. Mm-hmm. It's like there's just too much paper. So that's my goal for September for the house. Just 
you know, sort out the paper in it. And then I schedule things in my calendar. But every Sunday I sit down with my calendar and I look at the week past. I was like, okay, is there stuff I wanted to do this week that I didn't do? Then I transfer them into this week. Mm. And then I'm like, what are my immovable things? So the, one of the, or like, what are things I need to do this week? This podcast was one of those things that I needed to do this week. Oh, so thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so it was there. It was locked in. So I had to shift a few things that I normally do around this time because I committed and I wanted to come here. And so it's that constant review. And then I would say probably at the three-month mark, I actually ask myself, am I going in the direction I need to? Is it time for me to bring in external support? Is it time for me to drop that goal? Is it even serving me? Is it bringing me joy? You know, sometimes we follow goals, going to the first point I brought up, you know, the goals that have that lack of resonance. If I'm finding I'm just doing a goal for the sake of it, sometimes it's pausing it until I know why I'm doing it, mm -hmm. or sometimes it's dropping it completely and say, this goal is not serving me. So constantly reviewing definitely is a big part of goal setting. Right, right. How can you advise one with this kind of a dilemma? Because I think maybe this can also sum up the whole idea of thinking about goals that are central around your entire self at the mm. same time. But also making room to the fact that, you know, sometimes there might be a little bit of glitches that you might encounter in the way... This is one of my weakness sometimes. The second job that I do just for my second source of income, sometimes I'll set a target to say if I get X amount at the end of the week, mm. this should be good. But while I'm thinking about that, then I discover that I've been working too much, especially mm. with my first source of income. But then while that is happening, then you may find friends who say, can we please meet up? Can we please do this? And that also is an aspect that actually contributes into my well-being. Yep, yep. Like that kind of a dilemma sometimes. Yep. How can one, you know, how should one navigate it? Yep. So I would recommend getting out your calendar. And before you put anything in, write things that matter to you. So what are your values? What? So from what I'm hearing from you, you're valuing your um, connection with your friends. Put that in first. I know it sounds counterproductive, but just put it in, whether it's a Friday night, whether it's Saturday, whatever. You put it in, you lock it in. And if that shift comes, it might be just once. Just say one day a month I want to dedicate it to spending time with people I want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. That way you know you're not pulling yourself too much. That's the thing with goals. Sometimes they pull us too much a certain way. And there's seasons and times for that, which is completely fine. Yeah. But if you're now succeeding in one area of your life at the expense of the other areas, that's not good goal setting. Because mm -hmm. we are holistic. We are it has to be holistic goal setting. Mm -hmm. And in holistic goal setting, you have to let go of societal uh, expectations. I was, I was just reading on, because um, at my, um, just we're doing this 10,000 step challenge right. with um, just at work. And we were talking that 
the 10,000 step, the 10,000 steps a day was actually a marketing thing. It was um, a company in Japan that uh, had a pedometer. All right. And they just came up with 10,000. They got 10,000 sounds like a good uh, step count for people. Now research has backed it up. But research is showing frequent small incremental exercise is better than just one long burst of long exercise. So daily, you know, getting up. So most of us with our watches, they'll buzz and say, mm. get up. That yeah. is actually better for our bodies. We're not sweating. We're not doing all that. Thing. But that incremental uh, progress. And I believe the same for any goal we set. Incremental progress slowly gets us there. It might not be at the pace that we want to. That if we're going to pay, if we're going to be holistic beings, those incremental steps with your friends, incremental steps with your job, incremental step with your podcasting, incremental steps of whatever it is that you value, there's seasons where some, you know, some areas will demand more. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's where the reflection comes in, where you look and you say, okay, the next two months is going to be quite busy at work. How am I going to maintain my balance? And it means you're going to say no to certain things, but you have to say yes to things that, you know, you're passionate about, mm. things mm. that you value. Maybe if it can be a little <laughs> unfair to you, and yeah. this maybe might be my last question, <laughs> That's okay. in terms of setting out goals through the context of finances and I'm asking this question because I'm hoping also you'll speak to too many other people who've got even family complexities out there, yeah. especially around <coughs> the notion of black tax. Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. So, so um, I'm keen knowing what would best advice be from you to somebody who's trying to sort up their finances, but they've got a particular target and at the same time black text can just knock at your door at any particular moment yep that is i was actually having this conversation yesterday uh with a group of friends black tax is complex you know it's i've heard uh sayings of we are our parents retirement plans yep like you know they've invested (laughs) in us Mm -hmm. they've sent us to university so on a bigger scale it's re-education on both sides of um, uh, speaking to to those that can anyway to say you know to the parents you need to do I know I'm having these conversations with my mom and my mom's amazing like she's great with um, what she does with her finances but I was you know starting to have taboo conversations you know asking your parents what's your retirement plan they're like how dare you child ask me that (laughs) so it's normalizing conversations about the future right for both sides and then from our side it's setting a budget you know coming down to the simplicity setting a budget and then in there budget what is doable. So going back to my example of trying to save five hundred dollars and all I could afford was fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. You go in there and you budget and you say, okay, for my black tax, for me to still achieve my other goals, this is what I can afford. And then you communicate that back to right. 
um, beneficiaries, whoever it is. The yeah. beneficiaries. And also, you want empowerment for the beneficiaries as well. Because there's also this, sometimes there's this um, assumption just because you're where you have access to money more than where I have access to money, yeah. I think it comes easy to you. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. So it's education. Or it could be even getting the person to say, okay, if you do these jobs, especially if they're young, mm-hmm. I'll give you X amount as payment for what you've done. So you could, um, I know my mom's done that quite a bit with people oh. back home. She'll say, so maybe a cousin will need something. It's like, oh, actually, can you go to my mom's house? Clean up. She needs this done oh, yeah. and then I'll give you. So that they're working for it as well. Then it comes at a cost. Money you just receive without working for it. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Tawana. I really love that. You know, touching on, on black tech is an amazing thing. Yesterday I had a chat with one of my uncles, but my eldest uncle. And for some reason, I don't know what got into him and if he was overthinking about this. And mm. he just mentioned it in passing. He said to me, just decide which year you want it to be where you can just shut everybody out mm. and do your savings so that yeah. you know that if you get back to try helping people out, at least you've got something that is yeah. kept on the side for any particular emergency or whatever. And knowing him, he dealt a lot with black text, but hearing that coming from him, I was, there was a little bit, there was a certain level, not a little bit, but there was a certain level of relief mm-hmm. yep. on my shoulders. So I was like, mm. This man is actually even speaking from experience, but to for, for him to say such a thing, yep. it's really big. It is. I'll just share something. So early on in my marriage, um, situations happened on both sides of my husband's family and my family. Mm. And I, I don't know whether it was just the way we were brought my husband and I actually went into a lot of debt. And most of this debt was not for us. It was black tax. And I was the instigator because I was like, oh, we can't leave this person like this. We can't leave this person. It was like, yes, I'm going to the bank. I'm getting a loan. I'm helping this person. So I actually share this um, where I share. We got into debt. Australian dollars. Part of that was helping family pay fees, part of that. And I got to the point, you should invite me and I can tell you more about this story. (laughs) Okay. And um, I will. But it got to the point, my husband said to me, which was eye-opening. He said to me, myself, we only had one child then. He's like, you, we are the family. We can't be helping our other family at the expense of our family. Wow. And I ha- that was like a light bulb moment for me. So I would say the same to anyone who's feeling the pressure. Mm-hmm. Yes, we help our families, but it can't be at the expense of you. Because if you're the lifeline to them, if you then lose that ability to earn the income, it's not just you, it's them as well. But mm-hmm. you shouldn't do it at the expense. Of my immediate family. Yeah. Wow. 
Oh, thanks Thank for sharing your story. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> and I know that a lot of people were like, ah, oh, I, I can actually relate to, yeah. to telling a story. Yeah. And thank you so much. I love the fact that your work, actually, you are a living testimony. You're not just mm-hmm. teaching something you've never sort of experienced. You're not sort of telling people to walk a path that you've never walked yourself, mm-hmm. which is what I actually love about your work. And, and, and the fact that you're very much connected with too many people around and from different backgrounds, different, mm-hmm. uh, it could be racial or socioeconomic backgrounds and so on and so forth. So obviously... Either it be from observation or from even informal conversations, this wealth of knowledge that I trust um, your work in, in, in the way you sort of teach now. And I hope this work will actually liberate someone out there, even though we, yeah. the last part of it was spent a lot talking about finances. I guess finances is a big part of our lives, right? It's a right? big part. It's outside of family, it's the core. Hmm. It's actually... Sometimes it's even the most important. The most, yeah, because yeah. even family can can actually mm. be scattered because of finances. Yep. You know, you see married people because of less yep. of finances, lack of finances. Therefore, somebody cannot might be branded not man enough because you yeah. cannot support yeah, or yeah. not woman enough because you're not contributing. Oh, yeah. So it's a very big, big part of our lives. Yep. Any parting shots from your end? Um, and if you can tell us also more. About the business, how people can get access to you and what's yep. what's coming. Uh, so you can get me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Apple Coaching. Uh, my website is apple.com.au. I actually have an interesting project I've got coming up. It is a... I'm running a course, a resume course and also a confidence course. And my target is any woman from a culturally and linguistically diverse background, basically, uh, you can come and it'll be free. I'm actually offering it free. So it'll be online for four weeks. And then if you're in Newcastle area, we will have a half day workshop. So more details of that will be coming. So if you can follow me on my socials, mm-hmm. you'll definitely know about that. So that's the next thing I'm working on. Is it only open for women for now? <laughs> yes. Oh, I don't know. I did. It is open for women. But actually, I also have mm-hmm. a free webinar that's coming around confidence. Because, you know, when I said this is a journey I've walked mm-hmm. where what I've achieved has been directly linked to the confidence I've had. Not confidence of doing it, just confidence of starting. Mm. So I do have a free webinar that's open to anyone who can come. So if you follow me on my socials, you can see all those, all the details of the free webinar, but then the the program I'm running around the resume and confidence, that's going to be up in a few weeks. That's really amazing. I love this. As Tawana said already, please visit her pages, um, her website, awful.com.au. And you can also check her on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and Instagram, Instagram. as Awful Coaching. So Tawana is a growth strategist who also helps professionals and businesses to have clarity, to focus on what really matters by decluttering the busyness that stills time and thanks for tuning in thanks for listening to the episode go ye and be best human beings best versions of yourselves best stewards of your finances and your goals and we'll catch you next time cheers